Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to a special edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles. This is the ninth episode, and it's part one of episode number nine, as there will be two parts to uh, this wealth of content that will be presented to you. And I had the pleasure of covering NBA All-Star Weekend 2020 edition of All-Star Weekend, which was in Chicago, the Windy City. And I had a wonderful time. And of course, NBA All-Star Weekend is a great atmosphere. So many events going on, not just during the day with uh, NBA sanctioned events, but you have so many uh, events of companies, different companies, different sponsors, parties, networking events, everything going on. Those those three days, really, really four or five days, because things really jump off Wednesday night or so, but really Friday, Saturday, Sundays, where the main happenings take place. And it's always a pleasure to be there. And And I have to say, it was beautiful how the NBA paid tribute to two major figures in the sport of basketball. Their names, Commissioner David Stern, who was a commissioner for about 30 years in the National Basketball Association, and he is by far the best commissioner in the history of the game, and he really spearheaded the the global growth of the NBA as well as being able to create names, like be able to create personalities and uh, help build the brand of many of the great players around the league. It became a player's league for sure under David Stern. And also Kobe Bryant, who will be a Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer this year, 2020, uh, his first year eligibility. But of course, um, Kobe passed away unexpectedly a month ago, and he's no longer with us. So Overall, the tributes and everyone's thoughts about those two individuals was prevalent throughout the All-Star Weekend. And I want to get right to the coverage. Now, I had the honor to be able to interview different players, current All-Stars, current players that are participants at some of the uh, some of the contests that were going on during All-Star Weekend. And I wanted to ask them, since Where They At is a show that really focuses on on retired players and focus on focuses on the history of the game. Uh, these players that I feature, not just players, but executives and coaches, really paved the way for all of the current stars and current coaches and current executives around the NBA and all the sports. So I asked a lot of these uh, wonderful individuals about who they idolized, you know, who were they influenced by, um, what was their favorite moment of All-Star Weekend, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to get right to it as I spoke with Ja Morant, rookie point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies, and he was part of the Rising Stars uh, game, which features the top first and second-year players in the NBA. The two teams are the U.S. team and the world team. World team consists of players that were born in other countries. So here we go with Ja Morant. Ja, um, you have a plethora of skills, and it seems like you have a lot of influences from past point guards. Name some of the point guards from past and present that really influenced your game, because you have a very diverse style. Um, I was Allen Iverson fan, Penny Hardaway, uh, Nash, um, Isaiah, uh, Stockton, coming up, Rondo, uh, Curry, Westbrook. Uh, Dame, um, now Trey Young, um, now me. So that was John Morant, the uh, boisterous rookie, talking about the point guards that he looked up to. And now one of the most colorful individuals in the NBA. He's only in his, in his second year, but he was a participant also in the Rising Stars Challenge. His name is Jaron Jackson Jr. And I asked him about his father. His father was a guard in the National Basketball Association and part of the 1999 San Antonio Spurs championship team. So here's Jaron Jackson Jr., also of the Memphis Grizzlies. Your father, Jaron Jackson Sr., you know, talk about how he was able to enlighten you about the game, the nuances, as well as the history, the players. You know, he played with Tim Duncan, Young Duncan, David Robinson, et cetera, et cetera, and the players that you learned from him to emulate your game after. I hear about it all the time, especially when we watch film. You know, he, he can teach me everything about the game from a guard perspective, from a 
journeyman's perspective from a perspective you know down the line he's played on all the levels so and then he's played with great bigs like David Robinson, Tim Duncan, like you said, and sometimes he can get off track and start talking about them for like 30 minutes when we're watching film on me. So I've, I've been, yeah, I've, I hear a lot of those stories and sometimes you gotta tell them to chill out, but yeah. The one player that you didn't know about from the past, a year ago, that you know about now via YouTube or film or anything like that, a person you learned about from the history of the game. I, I kept up with the game pretty well, you know, over time. So I, no one really surprised me. Maybe, like, for fun, I looked up old, I'll look up old, old, old stuff, like Pistol Pete or something, like some like George Gervin. That's just like, like, you know, you're on your plane before takeoff, you still got Wi-Fi, you do something like that. The mood of All-Star Weekend, it was filled with somber with the uh, deaths of former Commissioner David Stern and a future Hall of Famer Kobe Bryant. And uh, I spoke with Dikembe Mutombo, and Dikembe Mutombo talked about just the overall mood of the All-Star Weekend between current players, between uh, ex-players, coaches, just everyone involved with the NBA, just the overall mood and how everyone is approaching All-Star Weekend. So Dikembe talked about that, as well as the importance of community service, because he's one of the great ambassadors of the game and ambassadors of of just uplifting many individuals and he's done that all over the world for sure so here's Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer Dikembe Mutombo if you look at the face of so many players and retired players uh, we are not uh, in our best week uh, our best uh, year uh, we lost uh, two great men our late Commissioner Deverston and uh, Kobe Brown. And all of that happened in just in a couple of weeks. Uh, for me, someone who, who been in the league, who played in the NBA for so long and who worked for the NBA now, um, we're still in the pain. Uh, we're still suffering. And um, But in the same token, the, the NBA is asking all of the employees and all the players that you need to wake up and try to put one foot forward and go keep going. So you cannot just sit down, uh, continue to cry, but uh, because life you have to go on. So, uh, but it's still going to be a difficult weekend. Uh, everybody's still talking about it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what the NBA branch will be like on Sunday. I think uh, it's going to be a difficult branch on Sunday and it's going to be a difficult game uh, on Sunday. Sunday is not going to be a good day. Dikembe, talk about um, the younger players. What are you advising them and how they can be better individuals and serve their communities and educate as well? Um, as you know, our young people, our younger players are are uh, much fortunate than some of us who played before. And uh, we want the NBA want to make them understand that uh, as happy as you are playing in this league and uh, having what is coming to you, don't forget about the community. There's a lot of community up there who are suffering and uh, you see that. I think our, the, uh, our players' actions speak much volume of what we're talking about here. Um, um, this is the first time where we see our players are cutting million, million dollars check. I'll give you just an example. In the city of Atlanta, we have a player like a Trey Young who just gave a million dollar check a couple of weeks ago to the community. So these are the example uh, of our DNA. We believe on giving back and uh, our players are getting it. Um, they, they're following the best example of the Dikembe Mutombo. <laughs> favorite All-Star moment? Uh, I think my favorite All-Star moment, um, I think I will say now, the Orlando All-Star 1992 has been a second rookie to make the All-Star game and having an opportunity to play in alongside with Magic Johnson on the same team uh, and all the great legend uh, that was living the game. Uh, I think uh, I think still I see the best. That was the Kembe Mutombo Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, and this was at the NBA Cares 
event where they package food for the hungry around Chicago. And Dikembe Mutombo was a part of that. And the person he spoke about, Trey Young, who's a who's a dynamic young point guard in his second year in the NBA, and he's already an all-star. He was an all-star starter, represents the Atlanta Hawks. And Trey Young responded to the kind words that Dikembe Mutombo said about him. Here's Trey Young. It's very special. Um, he's a legend, obviously, in Atlanta, but I mean, he's a legend everywhere, but he's a... Uh, He's uh, talked to me a, a lot, uh, especially recently, about the community stuff that I've done, uh, coming back to Hawks games. Uh, his, I mean, he's, uh, he's given me a lot of a lot of advice about community work and things like that in Atlanta. Pick three shooters historically that you will compete against. Probably uh, Steph, um, Steve Nash, and um, I don't know, uh, Chris Mullen. That was Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks, and he will be in many All-Star games to come, for sure. Brandon Ingram, fellow All-Star. This is also his first All-Star appearance, and he's finally making his mark in his fourth year in the NBA. And uh, Brandon gave some great perspective, a mentor that really helped him mold him into being the player that he is today, giving him the advice for him to be able to thrive in the NBA. So here is New Orleans Pelicans forward, Brandon Ingram. Brandon, how you doing, brother? Um, who are your mentors that really helped you to become not just a professional on the court, but to be a professional off the court? I think um, Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a good brother. He's been a good mentor for me. And in my process of uh, going through high school and going through college and going transitioning over to the NBA, uh, he's been a big part of uh, everything that I'm doing when I'm when it comes to working out, uh, mentally being locked in, uh, doing the right thing on and off the basketball floor. I think he's he's been a, a intricate for me uh, pretty much every single day. Uh, we stay in touch every single week and. He's always there for everything. Serving your community and the importance of that, uh, how do you pride yourself and, and what activities do you do other than NBA care things to provide that support for people? Well, I like to involve myself with, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued when I'm visiting little kids and uh, seeing their situations and uh, trying to compare, compare situations with mine and how I grew up and knowing uh, the people that I looked up to and. Uh, just seeing, just watching everything that they're doing. So I try to go out and, and try to be an example and try to do the right things and, and, and just giving back and supporting the ones that support me. This is your first All-Star game. How special is this moment for you? And also, have you watched past All-Star games in the past, you know, from way back in the day to see, you know, um, the excitement and the jubilation of all those great stars coming together? Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, I think um, this is... Uh, to, to big accomplishment for uh, me and my family and a uh, true blessing to, to, to me and uh, it just shows all the, the hard work that's been putting in over the, the years of me playing basketball to get back healthy, uh, get back out there and uh, try to develop a routine and try to d- develop a uh, work ethic and everything that I'm doing uh, on and off the basketball floor whether it's keeping my, my mental shirt uh, when I'm on the basketball floor trying to stay mentally locked in on exactly what I want to do. And uh, it's been working. I have I always give it to my teammates. Um, the coaches that's around, they, they, they keep me going every single day. Um, I've watched pretty much all the All-Star games uh, every single year since, probably since I've been living. And um, it's just been uh, a fun thing every single year just to see some of the best players just go against each other and, just go have fun and do it for the fans. Any from before your time on YouTube or anything like that, 80s, 70s or anything? Yeah, I always watch uh, Michael, Magic, uh, Bird, uh, all those guys. I, I watch all of them. That was Brandon Ingram on the New Orleans Pelicans. As you're listening to Where They At, my name is Nabate Isles, and this is all coverage of 2020 NBA All-Star Weekend in Chicago. And a teammate of Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, who's the number one pick in the 2019 draft. He's taken the league by storm in the 10 games that he's played so far because he was injured 
for uh, most of the season, but he has come back with a vengeance and has put up some good numbers. Uh, Zion echoed what his teammate Brandon Ingram stated about the players that he looked up to and admired. Zion, which old school players do you like to emulate your game after? Which old school players? Um, I don't try to emulate any of them. I just try to bring my own style to the game. Um, but I watched uh, Jordan a lot. I watched a lot of Jordan, Bird, and Magic. Irvin Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan. These three individuals really accentuated the overall popularity of the National Basketball Association. Larry and, and Magic, they came into the league in, uh, the, in the late 70s. Magic came in, was drafted in 1979, first overall. Larry Bird was drafted sixth overall in 1978, but they both came to the league in the fall of 1979. That's when the league was, was not as popular. A lot of, I mean, their finals games were on tape delay. Like, the league was not in a good place from the standpoint of being a mainstream uh, attraction. So when those gentlemen, their rivalry really uh, was prevalent in the 1980s, Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics, Magic Johnson and the Los Angeles Lakers. Then Michael Jordan was drafted in 1984, third overall by Rod Thorne, who was a past guest. And he became by far the most popular and by far the best player in the league and, and is widely considered as the greatest player to ever play in the National Basketball Association. And David Stern was the one person, when he came into the league as commissioner in 1984, he was the one person that really knew how to build their names, build their brands, along with many other superstars. And that's why you have so many of the great popular stars from the 80s and 90s really um, resonate to this day. So Orlando Magic forward Aaron Gordon, many people felt that he won the 2016 dunk contest against Zach Levine in Toronto, which I saw that contest and it was completely, it was absolutely riveting. And then 2020, Aaron Gordon was a runner-up again to Derrick Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat. And a lot of people felt that Aaron was robbed again. So I asked Aaron basically earlier that day, who did he feel won that contest in Chicago in 1988? And I also asked him about his favorite dunk and also his favorite players who influenced him. And the names will be pretty familiar. Greatest dunk in the contest that you've ever seen, other than yours. I know that one under the legs, but talk about a dunk that you rewind over and over on YouTube or NBA TV. Mm, so it's definitely Vince Carter's 360 Superfly. Um, I think, who else had a crazy one? You know, Zach has had some really crazy dunks too. So, you know, you can just watch him over and over too. Now, um, who do you think won the last contest here in Chicago, 88. Who won that, Jordan or Dominique? Probably Neek. I think Neek probably won that. Well, you know, it's, it's Jordan's hometown, man. They, they weren't going to let him get away without a win. And Aaron, one more thing. Like, um, who who's really inspired you and influenced you, not just as a dunker, but as a player? Because you're a historian of the game. Name those older players that really influenced you. Magic, uh, Michael, and Bird. Moving on now. Brooklyn Nets guard and 2019 NBA three-point Shootout champion Joe Harris, who was looking to defend his title in the three-point shootout, mentioned his favorite shooters, and he had a great list. And it, it was very, very good to hear the names that he mentioned. Well, I grew up in the Northwest. Um, I guess guys as early as, like, Dale Ellis, um, Hershey Hawkins, Ray Allen. Those are guys that I grew up sort of watching, um, admiring. You know, Ray Allen especially, I think, is more, like, sort of you know, early years when I started getting a little bit more serious about basketball um, and paying attention to that sort of stuff. Ray Allen was sort of in his prime in Seattle. That was Joe Harris of the Brooklyn Nets. And now moving on to, we're going to go right to three interviews that I was honored to conduct at the announcement of the 2020, 2020, finalists for induction into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. There were eight finalists that were announced, and I'm going to name each of these tremendous individuals that were named. Tim Duncan, of course, of the San Antonio Spurs, 15-time NBA All-Star, three-time NBA Finals MVP. You have Kevin Garnett, 15-time NBA All-Star, nine-time NBA defensive, all-defensive first-team selection, MVP 
2004. And Tim Duncan was a two-time MVP. Ten-time WNBA All-Star and four-time Olympic gold medalist Tamika Ketchins, uh, one of the most versatile players in the history of women's basketball. Also finalists mentioned, Kim Mulkey, uh, who's the head coach uh, of the women's basketball team at Baylor University, which she recently reached 600 wins in 700 games. Amazing track record she has had in only the 20 seasons she's coached at Baylor. Also as well, being considered five-time Division II National Coach of the Year, Barbara Stevens. Also four-time National Coach of the Year, Eddie Sutton. And two-time NBA championship coach with the Houston Rockets in 1994 and 1995. Also was a five-time NBA All-Star himself, Mr. Rudy Tomjanovich. And he's a jazz fan, too, which is pretty cool. He loves jazz music, so it's good. I've had a couple of conversations with him, and, and we definitely have to get him on where they at, for sure. So those are the finalists mentioned. There were also some... Uh, recognition that went on as well. The Kurt Gowdy, the annual Kurt Gowdy Media Award, it's awarded awarded to two people, one in electronic media and one in print media. Electronic media, it it was presented to the great NBA play-by-play commentator, the the voice of the NBA, Mr. Mike Breen, and also um, the print media award for the Kurt Gowdy Award was presented uh, to Mr. Michael Wilbon. As well, the great uh, Washington Post writer, and of course, you know him as co-host for PTI, Partner in- Interruption on ESPN. Also presented was the inaugural Transformative Media Award, which was presented to the Inside the NBA crew of Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, and Kenny Smith, as well as the Insight Media Award, which was presented to longtime broadcaster. Jim Gray, who's been on NBA on ABC, CBS, NBC, ESPN, he currently does work with Showtime Sports. So congratulations to all those wonderful individuals. And last but not least, Kobe Bryant is part of the 2020 Hall of Fame class as well. Kobe, as you know, is an 18-time All-Star, five-time NBA champion, also an MVP, NBA MVP himself, two-time finals MVP. The, the late Kobe Bryant. So I had the honor to interview these three wonderful individuals, four-time WNBA champion, six-time WNBA All-Star and Hall of Famer in the class of 2016, Miss Hoops, Cheryl Swoops. Then I had the honor to interview Mr. Mike Breen, who is, like I mentioned before, is being awarded with the 2020 Kurt Gowdy Media Award for Electronic Media. And after Mr. Breen, I had the honor to interview Ms. Tamika Ketchens, who is a finalist in the 2020 Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame class. So enjoy these three interviews, and it was just such a privilege to talk to these wonderful people. So here we go. Where they at with the great, the absolutely uh, wonderful and, and impactful Miss Cheryl Swoops. Miss Hoops, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm great. The Hall of Fame class looks like it's just absolutely stacked with a plethora of talent. Um, give, give your impressions of uh, the, the final class and how prolific some of these individuals were. Um, man, you know, in, in 16, I, I thought my class was one of, the, one of the better classes, and not just because I was in it, um, but and, and I still do, you know, myself and AI and Shaq and Yao Ming, um, Coach Izzo. But when I see this class, I'm like, man, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I watch KG, I watch Tim Duncan, I, I watch Kobe, I play with Tamika, um, no doubt some phenomenal, Kim Mulkey, huge fan of hers. Um, no doubt this is a phenomenal class you know the thing that the thing that that breaks my heart is knowing with without a doubt kobe will forever be a hall of famer but knowing that he's not physically here to enjoy this special moment because he deserves it and you know honestly my only hopes though are that 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 doesn't take away from this moment for everyone else in the class you know because this is a 
as, as an athlete, this is what you dream of. You dream of being a Hall of Famer. Um, so to be able for myself to be a part of it and welcoming in, you know, this class is, um, I'm, I'm actually a little bit mad because this class might be a little bit better than mine. I don't like that. Um, but so much talent, no doubt. There's so much talent. Now the women's game has, uh, what is your take on the women's game in 2020? I mean, there's a lot of talent, of course, you know, in UConn, they're like starting to, they're top 10, but still like seen as a disappointment, which is weird. But um, anyway, but um, talk about uh, how the women's game has really uh, flowed since you played in 1993, winning the national championship with Texas Tech. Well, you know, here's the thing when, because UConn's been so dominant for so many years, I think people look at UConn and they're like, it's a disappointment that they're not winning. I, I don't look at it that way. I look at it and say, damn, there's a lot of talent and other, other teams are just getting better and players are starting to go to other schools versus just going to a handful. I'm a huge fan of Don Staley, huge fan of South Carolina, but what I truly appreciate is how Dawn has worked to not, not build a team, she's worked to build a culture. And if you, you can have all the talent in the world, if the culture's not right, you're not gonna win. So I, I'm just like, mad, have mad respect for what she's done. But when you look at when the WNBA first started in 97 and where it is today, the talent level, I think, from top to bottom is all over the place. Like the talent level is great. When it first started, you may have had, I would say probably three teams. I mean, it was competitive, but you may have had three teams that people said every year, Houston's going to win, LA's going to win, New York's going to win. That's what people thought. And today, even now, when I look at all the trading and stuff going on, like I can't. I honestly, Phoenix, oh my goodness. I, but I honestly can't tell you who I think will win the championship next year because I think, I think the talent is is. I think it's leveling out. Yeah, I mean, Phoenix obviously was Kyler going there, and you got Brittany and Diana. But I always say you, you, you still have to find a way to, to gel all of that talent together, right? Yep. And then you still you got to pray that everybody's healthy. I look at Vegas, add an angel. Like, there's a lot of movement. <coughs> Excuse me. It could be really good. I think it's great for the league that no one really knows who's going to win the championship this year. I think it's great. Now, um, two more questions for you. Who did you look up to as an athlete, a budding athlete, and, and knowing that you were being a trendsetter in, in sports as a woman, who were the, the influences that you look up to? Well, as an athlete, when I look in the sports world, because I never got a chance to watch women play basketball on TV. So probably like a lot of people, I, I watched the game, but I watched Michael Jordan. Um, and honestly, I said to myself, I wanted to be the female version of Michael Jordan. Not just the talent he had, but the stuff that he did off the court, the way he carried himself, the way he promoted the game, the way people talked about him in the game. I wanted to be that person. Um, and honestly, my, as far as female, uh, my mom. My mom, because she just, she was a, a hard worker. Um, she was strong, independent, and taught me how, how to be the same way that I didn't, not in a bad way, but I, I grew up without a dad. So the things my mom taught me was I didn't necessarily have to have a man, got one, but I didn't have to have one um, to, to solidify my greatness and who I am. Um, and those are things for me that I try to pass on to not just girls, but to our youth today. And honestly, I'm gonna throw it out there, especially our African-American youth through my um, foundation is to, to accept who you are for who you are, right? And I, I, I really want our kids to understand our history and where we come from so then they can understand our greatness, right? But if they don't understand our history and know where we come from, how can you ever appreciate who you truly are? And that's part of my mission with my foundation is to be able to teach our African-American youth that. What's the name of your foundation? It's Well, the foundation is Cheryl Sue's Foundation for Youth. But the program um, is called Back to Our Roots. One more question for you. Your best game ever. Uh, I think I know what you're going to say, but I, I don't want to assume. You tell me, and then I'm going to say, tell me what you think. I'm thinking that, that, that uh, national final, you know, 93. That's crazy. Um, 
yeah, that's probably what I would have gone with. And 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 only because I really had no idea. It, it wasn't it wasn't about the points. It was just about the entire game. It was like everything I threw up, I could close my eyes and do that, and it was going in. And it was just, you know, for me, that was like the biggest moment in my life to be able to to go to the Final Four and help my team win a championship, especially coming from a very small town. Okay, best WNBA game. How about that? Um, God, I, I I don't I really honestly don't know. Um, you know, I could say some people may say the first time I got a triple double, but that doesn't like like stand out to me. Um, I don't remember the year, but it was a game we played against Phoenix, and I think we went to triple overtime, and I ended up with like. I think 40 points, and Tarasi ended up with like 42 points. And we were like going at each other. I don't even remember who won. I think we did. I'm going to say we did. We're going to roll with that, okay? Um, so that's probably the game I would pick. Miss Swoops, is an honor to talk with you here at this glorious event. And uh, I will be seeing you in Springfield in late August. Yes, you will. Thank you. Nice meeting you. Mike Breen, how are you, sir? Great to see you. Um, thank you for being on Where They At, and congratulations on the honor of the Kurt Gowdy Media Award. Well deserved. You talked about how, you know, you you did the, you do this for the passion and for the love, and you never imagined this type of honor. Um, talk about how you that passion really helped you build the acumen and skill set to be the best play-by-play -play man in the game. If there's if it's something that you love, you're willing to put the extra work into it. And, you know, that's why I've always told people as I've gotten older and you talk to college students, pick a profession that you love because you're not going to be afraid to go to work every day. In fact, you're going to love to go to work every day. And when you have that joy and enthusiasm, it's easy to get excited. It's easy to prepare. It's easy to, to work as hard as you possibly can. Plus, you know, I'm a huge, crazy basketball fan. So I feel a responsibility to those huge, crazy basketball fans who are watching at home to make sure that I give them the best effort I possibly can. And that includes being prepared every time you go on the air, being passionate, being energetic. And I think that's the very least that you owe the fans when you, when you call a game. Talk about how these three players of Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and Kobe Bryant, how they influenced your approach to calling games. Um, you know, the star players, like, like the ones you mentioned, um, I don't know if people realize how hard that is to do night after night. All these guys are talented. Every player in the NBA is talented and is capable of doing it once in a while or a couple of times a week. But the special ones are the ones that, that have that in them, that have that will to do it every single night. Their responsibility to their team every night can't take a night off in most cases on either end of the court. Uh, they've got to come with it every night and they've got to carry their team. And my admiration for them um, and the realization that it didn't come from just God-given ability, it came from their work ethic, whether it's conditioning, whether it's skill uh, drills to get better, whether it's looking at tape, they did everything possible to make their team successful. The voices uh, that inspired you to be who you are today, those voices that resonate with you forever? Yeah, well, for me and anybody in New York, uh, it's always and always will be Marv Albert. Um, I mean, Marv is the greatest play-by-play uh, -play basketball voice of all time. So when you're in New York and you're a Nick fan and you hear him night after night, um, it's very easy to, to get that fire in you, that that's what you want to do as well, and be influenced tremendously. Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of others that, that were favorites of mine, but, but in terms of basketball and play-by-play, and -play, it doesn't get better than Marv. What about other sports? Anyone that come to mind in other sports, like football, baseball, hockey, et cetera? Um, you know, I, I was, I've always been a big fan. Two guys that I loved were, were Dick Enberg and Vern Lundquist. And the reason I loved them so much was because I, I always felt they had a warmth of, about them on the air. Um, and they sounded like there was no place they would rather be than sitting at that particular event next to the person who would happen to be their partner that night. So those two had a big influence on me as well. Mike, congratulations, and I always thank you for your graciousness throughout the years with me, and I appreciate you, and congratulations on a much-deserved much honor. Thanks, Nabate. Thanks.
This is where you're at with uh, the great Tamika Ketchins. Congratulations, finalist of the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Talk about what was your approach growing up in maintaining that drive, will, diligence, and excellence to get where you are today? Yeah, I would say for me, it really started with you know, growing up with a hearing disability. And, you know, one thing for me, I got made fun of a lot when I was growing up. And so it really was having that determination, having that will, having that drive to be better than everybody else. And, you know, I think it started from the basketball side and has carried over to the rest of my life. And every single thing that I do, you know, I want, I have that determination and that will to be the best. And that's where, that's where we are today in your career i mean i remember in high school you had a quintuple double or something like that like has that ever happened other than you performing that i think there's a few other people that has happened with but i can't say that it's common that's right which is like for for those that don't know like uh double figures and points assists rebounds blocks and steals you know that's crazy that is crazy but i can honest, i can tell you that i was really aggressive now, what was like the pinnacle moment for you in your in your WNBA career or college career at Tennessee? Which was the pinnacle moment? I would say the pinnacle moment for me when I got to college, really, but you know, being able to have the opportunity to play underneath Pat Summit. And one of the big things, and one of the reasons I wanted to go to University of Tennessee was I wanted to play for the best coach. I wanted to play with some of the greatest players ever, and I wanted to play against some of the greatest players ever. And knowing that when you went to University of Tennessee, every single night, players were going to come in, teams were going to come in and give you their best. And my goal was to make it to the NBA. So I wanted to have that opportunity to play along Shamika Hoseclaw and Kelly Jolly. And, you know, we came in at the Fab Four. So Shamika Randall, Teresa Jeter, Christian A. Clement. I mean, we, we rocked it, of course. But I think Pat, you know, really being able to have somebody like her behind me, somebody that continued to push me, and just somebody that believed in my talent and wanted to make sure, hey, like, you will one day, you're, you will leave a legacy. And... You know, you fast forward to where I am today, post-basketball, and a lot of it goes back to the beginning. Shamika Holskall, Queens in the house. Yeah, I'm a Queens cat, so. Yeah, Shamika, yeah. <laughs> One more question for you. Um, the progress of basketball, professional basketball, women's basketball in the States, United States, how do you see it going? And, uh, you know, the pay increase is going on, so talk about that, but how do you see it going and how can it get better? Yeah, I, I'm really impressed with where we are with the WNBA and just basketball in general. You know, we just signed the new CBA this year for the W, and that will go in effect for the next eight years. But yeah, you know, I think that the the movement that we were able to make in the pay increase, you know, maternity, family planning, travel, hotel rooms. I mean, there's a lot of things that were in there that that will show progress, that will allow us to to progress as a league. But I think when you look at the talent. The thing that you have now is you have all these young girls that have grown up knowing that they can be in the WNBA, knowing that they can aspire to be, to go beyond college, whether it's here in the States or overseas, or even being an Olympian. You know, I think that the opportunities are there. So you see a lot of young girls that are aspiring to do just that. Congratulations, Tamika, and I will expect your name to be announced Final Four weekend, first weekend of April. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you so much. So that was Ms. Tamika Ketchins, who was a finalist for the 2020 Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame induction class. And before that, I spoke with uh, Mr. Mike Breen, who's the 2020 recipient of the Kurt Gowdy Media Award for Electronic Media. And before Mr. Breen, I spoke to Ms. Cheryl Swoops, who is already a Hall of Famer, class of 2016, one of the great women's basketball players ever. Now, I want to go straight to an interview I conducted with one of the most gracious individuals I've met in circling the NBA for sure. Uh, this gentleman has, has really made an impact not just on the court, but off the court as well with his charitable uh, work. And I'm talking about the former NBA forward for the Utah Jazz and Minnesota Timberwolves, Mr. Thurl Bailey. Uh, Mr. Bailey is now uh, the current Utah Jazz color uh, analyst uh, for television. We had a lot to talk about, so here we go. 
Welcome to Where They At here in Chicago, Illinois for the 2020 NBA All-Star Weekend festivities. And it's my pleasure to be joined by this gentleman who has done so much, not just for the game of basketball, but as an ambassador of the game, as well as someone that's done so much for his community. It's my pleasure to have uh, former Utah Jazz and Minnesota Timberwolf forward and NC State yes, star sir. who was part of the 1983 championship team. One of, probably well, you weren't even the, born then. Well, you, uh, come on. <laughs> Actually, I was. Don't say that. I don't want to get my age. I'm supposed to be younger than that. <laughs> it's you my pleasure. Good. Thank you, sir. It's my pleasure to have Mr. Thurl Bailey. Thank How you. are you? Appreciate it, man. Yes, I'm indeed. Doing, I'm doing excellent. Yes, really, indeed. really good. Wow, thank you so much for for joining uh, where they at, and it's my pleasure to be here All Star Weekend because this is where all the legends are at. These yeah. are this is where all the people that paved the way for the current All Stars are gathering and 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 getting together. It's such a great time of the year. And Mr. Bailey, I wanted to ask you first, Jimmy Valvano. Yeah. Frank Layden. Those are two of the most colorful leaders <laughs> ever. Frank Layden with the Utah Jazz right. and, 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 of course, Jimmy Valvano with uh, North Carolina State University. Um, what made them unique and what made them similar? That's a great question. And, and I guess I would have to start with uh, Jimmy V because, obviously, he was my college coach, a young kid coming out of high school, still trying to develop um, – and he wasn't the coach that recruited me to NC State. Oh, uh, okay. He actually came because Norm Sloan, the coach who recruited me there. That's right. Hall left, of Famer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's left right. after my first year. Yeah, with David Thompson. With David Thompson, yep. that's mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So he left after my freshman year, and we were kind of in turmoil, and guys wanted to leave and everything. So my mom talked me into staying at NC State mm. and uh, being patient to see who they were going to hire. There were other guys trying to make decisions, Sidney Lowe, Derek Wittenberg, to see where they were going to go. And, mm -hmm. um, but because, you know, when you re recruiting is a personal thing. Yep. You know, when the head coach recruits you, you get, you make, you get a personal relationship with him. Or, and, and, and part of that decision is because that trust in that coach to be there. So Norm, in the business of it, took a job at another school. And they hired a guy Florida? named Florida. Florida went to okay. Florida, mm -hmm. and so uh, Jim Valvano was the guy. We didn't know a lot about him, mm -hmm. but we were about to find out on yes. that day of introduction. Um, and I can tell you that when he was done introducing himself and talking about how he was going to win a national championship, none of us, uh, none of us left. We yes. decided to stay and take that journey with him. Yes, indeed. And. Uh, of course, the rest is history. Mm -hmm. Took us a few years, but we won a national championship. One that uh, still stands today as one of the greatest finishes uh, in any sports. But when you talk about Frank Layden and Jimmy V, I think the things that they had in common were that they were very energetic, mm -hmm. very uh, passionate mm -hmm. <laughs> about not just life and basketball, but about their players. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they really, uh, really cared about each individual player, and they got to know each indiv individual player and how to best motivate them, how to best communicate with them, because they knew that every player wasn't the same. Every that's player had a different personality, right. came from a different background. So Which I buttons was, to push. That's that, right. That's right. right. And how mm -hmm. to push them mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. losing them. Right, right. So I think if I looked at both of those guys, I'm going to throw another guy in there too, Jerry Sloan. Oh, okay. Because Frank Layden was his mentor. Frank hired him. Right. My my second year with the Jazz, and of course Jerry eventually became uh -huh. my coach. That's right, because he the coached way. the Bulls before that. That's right. Actually, and yeah, which people for forget about. That's He's the right. head coach there. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of great leaders and mentors in my life, and those two that you brought up, uh, Coach Valvano, and and including Frank Layden and Jerry Sloan, were guys who uh -huh. knew who I was as a player and a person and mm -hmm. developed the two to the best of their ability. Wow, amazing. We're here um, where they at here, All-Star Weekend in Chicago, 2020 edition of the festivities with Mr. Thurl Bailey. Wanted to ask you about All-Star Weekend. The gather, the gathering around here is just so, how wonderful is it, especially with the National Basketball Retired Players Association, you're on the board there. Yes. Um, just bringing all of the legends, all the people that, like we were talking about that, that um, definitely paved the way for the current All-Stars. How great is it to see how they're doing and be able to reminisce and be able to 
talk about how you can help the younger generation yeah. too. Yeah, it's always meaningful. Mm-hmm. I mean, these. First of all, you talk about the All Star Weekend. You, you can't do that without thinking about uh, David Stern, Commissioner David Stern. Right. We know we just lost him, mm-hmm. um, but it's really his brainchild, I think, to you know to create an atmosphere where trailblazers can come together, but also the talent, the global talent that is the game today mm-hmm. um, to be developed like he did. But it's always nice because you you hope, mm-hmm. as an ex-player, you hope that you're remembered in that light as being part of that trail. But, you know, when I look at my career, there were guys that came before me that, that blazed the trail That's right. that we didn't want to forget and always talked about. The guy that got me passionate about basketball as a teenager was Dr. J. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I wanted to be him growing up. And, and, how, then, and how special was that dunk contest, 76, David Thompson, oh, yeah, Dr. J? Me? Dave Thompson, NC State star, yeah. and then Dr. J, your, oh, your man, idol. That was, <laughs> that was really, really special. Mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. you know, you, you can go back in history and, and pick out moments like that and how special they were. And, yes, sir. Um, and even, you know, during the regular season, being a part of some of those terrific rivalries mm-hmm. that the Utah Jazz had with Houston and Denver and a lot of teams in the West, the Lakers. Yes. Yeah. So um, Seattle too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's it's been really fun to be a part of that legacy as a as a fan, mm-hmm. as a player, mm-hmm. and then as a legend, as they call us now. Yes. Uh, and you just hope that that uh, the game will continue to be in good hands with this younger group. There's some great guys representing the NBA right now, and mm-hmm. on and off the basketball court. So All Star Weekend is always just a uh, kind of a a tribute to all those things mm-hmm. as well as the fans coming out to see the the greatest wow. players in the world wow and now i wanted to ask you which players you think are representing their game at such a high level not just on the court but off the court as well which players have have that that um, engagement yeah. with everything going on well when you when you bring that up and you describe it in that way you can't help but go back and say well who are those guys who did it before them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Who the Oscar Robertsons, yeah. um, yes. you know, the... Free agency. Yeah. <laughs> the rest exactly. is history. You yeah, know? <laughs> exactly. Those kind of guys, um, you know, the Jerry West, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, the Magic Johnson's going yes. forward, the Larry Bird's, mm-hmm. um, and then into the Jordan era. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that anyone... There were a lot of great guys and, and, and great personalities and great players, but to encompass... All of that in a guy like Michael Jordan, who was the best player and the best ambassador. Mm-hmm. And I think to be able to carry that beyond his career, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you'd have to put him as one of the folks at the top of that. A lot of guys paved the way for him, and he would say that as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I look at an ambassador as a guy who is not perfect, but mm-hmm. a guy who carried himself in a way that others would want to emulate right and so uh today i think you know you you hear lebron james mm-hmm. being right. in that same light of course um the late kobe bryant obviously was one of those guys yeah. who uh was an amazing amazing player but also you know like a lot of these great players had so much to give beyond Mm-hmm. Which we'll, we'll we'll never get to see with Kobe because of the tragic, yeah. his tragic death. Right, but, um, he, he had legacy, some stuff cooking. He did. I think I think he really yeah. had some things. I know brewing. he did, and his legacy will continue to live on. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of guys who, you know, there there's a lot of guys who, uh, and and I what I like now is better than before. The game is so much more international now. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So guys yeah. who I see every day, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, yes, yes. those guys have the potential to be those kind of players. Right. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're guys like that all over the league. Yes. Wow. Yes, indeed. And speaking of young, like, you know, you have Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, young uh, players, both making their first all-star yes. appearance this year. You had two budding young superstars that you came up with in the mid 80s by the name of John Stockton and yes. Carl Malone. What stood out for them? to be great and did you see that early well i know the jazz saw it early mm-hmm. when a lot of teams didn't 
Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. <laughs> and so, you know, Carl Malone was was picked 13th or 14th in his year. Mm-hmm. John was down there as well. And when he when John was drafted by the Jazz, people didn't know what a Gonzaga was. <laughs> right. right? Exactly. So they were like now frowning. Now it's a powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, who is this? Who is this kid? Mm-hmm. Right. So I was there a year before John and two years before Carl mm-hmm. with the Jazz. And I so I got a chance to watch them develop and watch them soak up from everybody on the team. They wanted to know, you know, how to survive in the league, not just to make it, but how to thrive. Yes. And as you watch them, um, because in the end, it's, it was really rare for two guys to have as long a tenure with a team. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure you, we see the likes of that again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To have the same tenure with a single team for pretty much all their career, all for John, uh, most for Carl. That's right. That's right. But, uh, yeah, I just I, I think that when you look at some of the greatest players that have come across, they're guys who didn't really need the fanfare. They mm-hmm. just wanted to play. Mm-hmm. They didn't mm-hmm. want to miss a game. They could have been 70% available or That's 65. Right. That's they weren't right. going to miss. That's right. John Stockton, right. what, he missed 19 games in his career? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Like, and, and Carl Malone, you know. Yep. Like. Yeah. So, you know, at that time, you didn't, you know, you didn't hear about guys taking nights off. Right, and and I I can understand some of it today. I mean, you know, it, it's a lot of games, it's a lot of wear and tear. But um, those were two of the guys that were some of the Iron Men of the league. They're a lot like that, the AC Greens, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those kind of guys. But um, yeah, the game has evolved, it's changed, and I don't say it's worse or better. I just say it's it's different. Yes. And so, but it's still a great game, and there's still some great guys representing what it should be. Mm-hmm. Wow, we're here with Thera Bailey, a former Utah Jazz and Minnesota Timberwolves forward veteran of the league. Um, and Thera, it's funny that we're talking about comparing the game from then to now. I wanted to ask you about fundamentals. You know, um, we see a lot of shot selection, 30-foot shots now from three, no mid-range game anymore. And then on transition, they'll kick it out to open three-point shooter instead of going right to the basket. Yeah. So what is your take on the overall fundamentals, like the, 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 the pros and cons of the current NBA player? Generation? Well, I don't think you can ever take fundamentals out of the game. Any mm-hmm. kid that's learning the game has to start with the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And whether it's the fundamentals of shooting, mm-hmm or the fundamentals of handling the basketball. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a part of the game that you can't hide from, yep. right? I think the problem is is that a lot of players don't spend enough time with the fundamentals and there aren't enough coaches t- starting and teaching those things on a consistent basis with kids, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, with, with the development and the influx of how the AAU program has gone Mm-hmm. Kids are thrown right into playing right away and kind of learning on the fly. Yeah, and yep. not and and just not, you know, learning the right things diligently. Diligently, diligently that's yeah. exactly repetition. That's, exactly that's mm-hmm. right. Right. And so, um, but I mean, you look at. I mean, I played in Europe for several years, and I think the what they continue to do in Europe and they start kids out as at a very young age teaching them the fundamentals of the game and um, and, and knowing that analytics have, have taken us to a point where it's saying that this isn't a good shot this is well I I'm just one of those guys who thinks it's not all about analytics it's about how you teach analytics show that the mid-range isn't a good shot because a lot of guys don't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And they try and they haven't worked on it, right. so they, they stay away from it. Mm-hmm. So, um, But in the age of the NBA wanting more, you know, higher offenses, you know, more points, mm-hmm. uh, it's not as physical now as it used to be because right. I could lay my forearm on you back in the day. I can't do that now. Yeah, right, uh, right. Yeah, right, so right. is that good? Is that bad? Well, for old guys, they would say, you know, I, I liked our way better, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so you have to adapt, just like technology in a sense. Um, the game is still great, but there's some things I, I think that are slowly fading away. The big man back to the basket. That's right. Uh, right. Nobody runs an offense. A few teams do it. Right. And yeah. nowadays you've got to be able to stretch the floor, shoot mm-hmm. the three, 
Um, teams are looking for that six, seven to six nine wing guy who can play defense and also right. swing. So, I, you know, it, it's you have to evolve, and mm -hmm. I think that's the bottom line. Everything evolves, but something's come back around. I think mm -hmm. we're starting to see some things fundamentally that are coming back around in the NBA. You know, right. free throw shooting, uh, mid-range game. I think is coming back, mm -hmm. yeah. and I think there'll always be a need for the big. Yeah. You know, whether you throw lobs to them or you want to get somebody to rebound or defend. Um, so, you know, it's all is not lost. Mm -hmm. So it's it's all in the development. I mean, it's like I don't think bell bottoms are coming back, but, you know, <laughs> the short shorts are starting to make that move back yeah, in the right, game, right. too. So yeah. I, we're hopeful. Yeah, it mostly it's funny. Mostly ladies wear bell bottoms. That's right. Now, That's like, exactly right. look better on them. That's right. You know, in my there opinion. you go. <laughs> Definitely we're here with Thurl Bailey, um, former uh, NBA forward and and also, too, represent a part of the board of the National Basketball Retired Players Association. Thurl, talk about what you're up to now with community service because you won the, the J. Walter Kennedy uh, yeah. Citizen Award um, in 1989. And just you, you're known as one of the exemplary individuals off the court in your, your time. What's been going on now? Well, I think that's you? what we're here for, all right? And you don't have to be an NBA legend or star to be able to do that. But... I, I think uh, it all goes back to how I was raised, and mm -hmm. and my mom always says, "Son, don't you ever forget where you came from." That's right. You came from D.C., which right. you know, yeah, yeah, that time, you know, yeah, yeah right. it, you know, it was tough growing up, but when you as you learn how to become successful with through hard work mm -hmm. uh, and the help of the village, mm -hmm. you know, because the community raises you. That's right. Absolutely, right. we don't have that as much anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So I think some of the expectations are personally that, listen, if one day I, be, I become successful, I want to help other people find their dream. might not be basketball, but I want to help them get an opportunity to know that they can be successful as well. Right. And I think that there's a lot of that going around, not just in our profession, mm -hmm. um, but you hope in, in all parts of the world, in, in our country, obviously, but... This gives us a platform, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gives us a platform, one, to be recognized and for people to say, I want to be able to do what he did, um, or I want to be able to accomplish my dreams mm -hmm. like these folks did. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, it's everybody has a purpose. That's right. You just have to find it, and then hopefully you can magnify that calling, if you will, right. um, to do good things. You're the analyst, the color yes. analyst for yeah. um, for the Utah Jazz I on am. television. So this team is very intriguing. Uh, you have, as we mentioned, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, first-time All-Stars. Now, how far can this team go? Because the West is wide open. Everyone talks about the Lakers and Clippers, but the Jazz have those elements yeah. as well of defense, timely shooting, and uh, depth. Yeah. So how far can they go? I think, you know, the reason they made – such big moves and bringing in a Boyan Bogdanovich, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, Mike Conley. Yep. yep. Mike Con. Yep. Uh, <laughs> a, a Jordan Clarkson mm -hmm. off oh, the bench right. is because they're ready to make the next move. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Jazz for so many years in making the playoffs never really get out of the first round. Right. right. So, you know, you've got to make some changes to do that and, and hopefully they work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always work, but I think with the Jazz – and Coach Quinn Snyder's ability to, coach. to really like we talked about earlier, to know guys' personalities in their games and be able to fit that into your philosophy mm -hmm. is not easy in the NBA. Mm -hmm. So that's when you have a lot of egos. you got a lot of guys who can play. Mm -hmm. but, the, but the Jazz organization has always been really good at finding those guys that fit, fit yes. the team, fit the community, fit the coach. And I think they have a, a winning recipe this year that, that could possibly take them to the finals mm -hmm. and you know once you get there you know you've got the opportunity to win it just as much as anybody but right. uh, you've got to get through that first round and beyond mm -hmm. and so I think the Jazz are poised to be able to do that mm -hmm. um, the key is for them to stay healthy that's right that's and right. for everybody to buy in continue to buy into what coach Quinn Snyder is is uh, is teaching now would Utah want to see Houston because they, you know, from the yeah. standpoint, I, I'm not saying that they're going to shy away from Houston. They're going to play whoever's yeah. in front of them. Yeah. But 
The Rockets is a team that has defeated them two years in a row. Yeah. Now, that can be an opportunity for them to finally get through, get over the hump like so many of the great teams in yeah. NBA history have been able to do. And I don't think – I think the Jazz would only ask themselves that question if they fell below that, that number four spot mm-hmm. because you don't have home court advantage exactly. then, right? Right. You give the Jazz home court advantage with the team they have right now. I don't think they really care who they play mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it kind of gives you an edge in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they would be happy with making the playoffs, but they would be happier and, and more satisfied if they did get the home court advantage because it puts them in the higher echelon mm-hmm. of teams. And, and, uh, and I think history, you know, really speaks well of teams that, that have that home court advantage in a seven-game series. That's so right. That's right. Um, they, they're, they're usually always well-prepared, that Jazz team is. And so I'm looking forward to whoever it is, whether it's you know, OKC, Houston, whoever they get. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun series. That's right, yeah. for sure. And uh, one more question for you. Yep. You're a vocalist, and I'm a trumpet player, a musician yeah. myself, and and it's always great. And you you um, did a song for Kobe Bryant, a tribute for Kobe Bryant. I did. Um, and uh, talk about what inspires you as a vocalist, as an artist, in your songwriting yeah. and things like that. What is what inspires you? What what come? What is the theme that comes up that really resonates most with you? Life. Mm-hmm life and that sounds simple but it's so broad yes um and i'm sure that's part of what inspires you too because mm-hmm. it, it really is about the journey with us mm-hmm. that's right? right and music is is part of that foundation i grew up with even before i started playing basketball i loved music i had the i had the turntable you know and a couple of 45 records with one song on each side and yeah. i just immersed myself in that yes indeed and, and just grew a passion for it and which records which records like uh jackson yeah. five was one ah yes yeah, yes, yeah i remember abc being on one side i we couldn't afford many so i only had a couple oh. to start out with but as i got older and was able to make that collection grow i still have over three thousand of my vinyl Woo. got a turntable in my office and oh, i go in my wow. office and i play so i gotta see that collection yeah. and, and whenever i'm in salt lake it's, <laughs> pre- it's pretty eclectic i mean yes. everything from you know from uh jazz to mm-hmm. to some country now you yes. know because of lyrically uh, I, I get a lot from some of the country music mm-hmm. but i grew up on r&b and my i used to wake up in the morning my parents were dancing to Nat King Cole oh, and, yes. Yes, and uh, Sinatra and Sam Cooke. Mm-hmm. So I, I've always had that love for music. But um, in particular, um, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a lyricist. I like listening and reading lyrics and trying to understand where people are when, mm-hmm. they, you know, when they play music, when they sing it. If it doesn't have lyrics, I try to immerse myself in, into the voice of the instrument. Yes, yes. Uh, with the Kobe thing, uh, I just I found out on a Sunday that he had passed, and the first thing that came to mind is, what can I do? Right. So uh, I just uh, said, I'm going to write a song. Called a couple friends of mine, and we put something together, and uh, and it's entitled "Wasn't Ready for Goodbye," right. and you can find it on iTunes and YouTube and all those things, yes, but yes, please, yeah, it audience, was my, audience, no, yeah, it was sure. just my, my, uh, my gift, if you will, to those involved and people beyond that who have lost someone, and I hope the lyrics speak to them. So ran, so randomly, like just happen, and that's when I remember what Shaq said and what all of us say that tell tell the ones that are close to you that you love them, yes, always, exactly. you know, for exactly. sure. So, wow, Mr. Thorough Bailey, <laughs> honor to have you on Where They At, my Thank podcast, you. Thank which, you, which, which, which uh, spotlights retired athletes who are doing great things on and off the court. And you're, you're, you fit in that. that Thank you, brother. Appreciate echelon, it. I for appreciate sure. what Pleasure. you're doing. Thank you so much, Mr. Bailey. Pleasure. What an honor to talk to Thorough Bailey. Uh, and and what, what a tremendous individual, as you can hear. And yes, he is a singer. And he, he has a great voice, very, very distinctive voice for sure. And I want to um, first, uh, as we conclude part one of um, Where They At, I want to actually play the introduction 
of Kobe Bryant um, as a finalist for the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame 2020 class. My name is Nabate Owls. Thank you for listening to Where They At. What a tremendous weekend of covering some wonderful uh, individuals and, and some great events that went on. And part two of Where They At coverage from 2020 NBA All-Star Weekend is uh, following. So you will be hearing that as well. You can go right to it on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And also, too, if you like the music throughout the show as well, it's from my album, Eclectic Excursions. You can check out our iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, Google Play, etc., etc. And yeah, and also you can go on my website too, N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E-S.com. Thanks for listening to Where They At. Thank you all very much. Bye-bye, everybody. Establishing himself as an all-time great. Teaming with Hall of Fame coach Phil Jackson and Hall of Fame center Shaquille O'Neal, he won three consecutive NBA championships by the time he was 23. Later, he would lead the league in scoring in consecutive seasons and in 2008 won the league's MVP award. He then returned to three more NBA finals, winning two more titles and earning finals MVP awards for both. A five-time NBA champion and 18-time All-Star, he also won Olympic gold medals with Team USA at the Beijing and London Olympics. Considered one of the greatest to ever play the game and named a finalist by the North American Committee as a player, and we sure wish he were here today. Kobe Bryant.